I probably should have not started that until we decided what we were doing. Hey, folks, what are we drinking tonight? Chris, go. <laughs> long, long pause. Um, it's been rather cloudy and overcast here in Southern California, which is unusual. Um, so I'm going with uh, an Irish whiskey in honor of the Irish weather. So I'm drinking patties tonight. So I am drinking a Paddle On Session IPA. Canoes, paddles, very Canadiana. I mean, actually, isn't that, is that not playing to where, where you are in Canada as well? Or we, uh, am I too far west in this case? Because uh, aren't there jokes about people without paddles um, if you come from the east of Canada? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about it another time. Anyway, <laughs> I have had several pints of cider uh, as recovery drinks from HSRL Race 1, uh, and I'm now eating a flapjack in the hope that this makes me vaguely sensible for the commentary that we're doing later on. So you mean possibly uh, herd winter racing? Whatever it's called now. You know, bike racing, herd. As I said, vaguely sensible when we do live commentary. People will hear Drunk Steve in the morning, which will be... We're just messing with time, Christopher Nolan style. What can I say, Greg? Anyway, we, we have no James Bailey, so I, I don't know um, in what order you order the days of the week in Canada, but I'm keen to find out. So, Craig, go hit me up. What is happening in the world of the herd this week? So, the world of herd racing league this week, we have the, win the herd winter racing. So, we have one lap of the Bologna TT circuit. So technically the lap is just the bottom to the top. Um, we're going to go up and then back down and it's a road race, not a time trial. So it's a little different. And we'll talk about that in a minute. On the Shiris this weekend, we have also Bologna time trial circuit, but they're doing the time trial. So yeah, so some of the girls have been complaining about this. So uh, this is yet another thing to complain to James about. It does make me think, things like this make me think that James is a slight sadomasochist because it feels like he does these deliberately. I, I could have called this weeks out in advance. Dude, people are going to complain. Anyway, continue, Craig, sorry. So then uh, continuing into the people are going to complain, um, in the herd of mountain goats, we have Loren. So most of the way up then top. Then on, well, Sunday and Monday, uh, we have the uh, Astoria Line 8 for the Stampede. And I've got to say that I'm not familiar with that course. So that's, if somebody else is, they're going to have to talk about it. It's in no, New York. No idea. No. Yeah, Nobody it's part of the New York, York map. <laughs> New York is terrible up and down. I have no idea beyond that. Yeah, it's on the New York map. Nobody likes the New York map. There'll be some glass. There's loads of rollers. Nothing's flat. Yeah, it's New York. Um, and then uh, on, uh, on Wednesday, we have Seaside Sprint on the Bullseye, which is a terrific course for the Bullseye, as we've discussed a lot over uh, previous uh, <laughs> races on this course. So that is what's coming up this week. 
Cool. And uh, sorry, there are lots of interesting animal things happening here. So I currently have a cat that's sat on the sofa behind me and a dog that is giving the cat evils because the dog isn't allowed on the sofa. So I'm afraid what's happening in my living room is far more exciting uh, than what happens on this pod. But that's not a high bar that we set with things that are more more exciting um, than this pod. So let's get to the main thing um let's talk herd summer racing league uh chris we both rode this earlier you go up the bologna climb you go down the bologna climb you get back to the start nobody knew where the archways were and confusingly uh there are in fact two archways really really close to each other so you go through the archway at the top of the climb of bologna and get power up and then you go through the climb the top of the climb you go round the little roundabout thing you go back down the climb at the top of the Bologna climb and go through the archway again you get another power up um in my case I got two lots of xp so fuck you Bologna so <laughs> I have to say on this one um but yeah so you go up the climb you come down the climb uh, you sprint there's actually a little rise up to the sprint uh, and then you finish again but what have we got to say about Bologna how are we going to how should we have ridden this tonight Craig, how are you planning to ride it? So uh, there's there's two main goals here. Uh, the first one is to hang on to the fastest group you can as long as you can. And second is don't go too deep before the climb. Um, as I, I think uh, talking to Steve, these may be mutually exclusive goals. So it's uh, hang on as long as you can without going too deep before the climb and you'll get the the best time you can but it's uh yeah it, it's it's really tough you have to uh try to stay in the group and draft as bit most effectively you can and then go all out for nine or ten minutes and or however long it is for you and then save up draft work together and uh then sprint for position and Chris, how did the race go for you earlier? Uh, well, it was terrible, but we survived. I didn't realize that you got uh, power-ups going both ways through the arch there. So that's interesting. Um, even if I had known that, I don't think I would have had enough wherewithal to activate. the. <laughs> I think I got an arrow, so I saved that until the end. Um, not that it did me any good, but uh bologna is always tough for me i'm a little bit heavier and climbing is not my friend so i went with a fully full climbing setup knowing that um to craig's point you want to hang on with the group and draft so knowing that it would make that a little bit harder but if i needed to i could stop on the pedals for a little bit and tag onto the end of the group which is what i did and then i mean it's really just seconds right between the the, the climbing setup and the tron so it was more mental than anything, but it did allow me to stick with, there was a group of three, um, like two or three seconds up the road as we got to the end of it. So it allowed me to push up there and tag onto those wheels instead of falling back. So the rider who was just behind me ended up getting, uh, I think 32nd or 33rd, and then I finished 27. So that was a good, you know, half dozen places just strategically in bike choice that whether it mattered or not, um, whether it was mental or not, um, it did play out that way. So, but yeah, it was just miserable overall. And I hate James for picking that course over and over and over again. I think, I think for me on, on Bologna, it kind of highlights the futility of even bothering to choose bikes. So 
if we look at the very best bike, um, actually, sorry, I need to pause. Craig, Kerry just brought you a snack. What is your snack? What's that? <laughs> it's chicken. Excellent. It's a protein loading. I like to, this is this is the kind of thing we get. Uh, you guys listen to the podcast. You don't understand the beauty of the Zoom call. Uh, Kerry has just walked in with a snack for Craig. Chris has just planted his whiskey in front of the camera to be like, fuck you, I have massive whiskey. Um, so anyway, um, Bologna is one of the ones that for me most highlights the futility of bike choice because it, like you said, it's an eight, nine, ten minute climb. We know that with the Alp, if you choose one bike over the other, it makes about at most a minute difference between the very best bike and the absolute worst bike on a one, on, on what is for most people a, around an hour climb. So I wonder with Bologna, like this is an eight, nine, ten minute climb. We're talking seconds. Now, yeah. this also then flips it the other way is that that could be the difference between you being in the draft with some people on the descent, which is huge, and not being in the draft with some people in the huge. So at one, at one time, yes, definitely choose the best bike. At the other point, the bike choice probably doesn't matter. Uh, I went with Orange Tron because I'm lazy, and that was the last bike I was riding in the game. Um, it seemed like there were a lot of Trons in the pen tonight, which I think a lot, lot of people hedging their bets. Um, Chatting on Discord, I think personally I'd have gone for, if I'd have been thinking about this, I'd have gone for where I think I'm weak. So if you think the people you race against normally, because remember this is open category, you're going to know the people you race against normally. If you think that, let's say Shifty, probably a bit of a better climber than me at the moment, I'd have gone for my absolute best climbing bike because I need absolutely every bit of help I need to keep on that wheel to make sure that I'm with him on the descent. Conversely, I might be a really good climber and know that the guys behind me are really good sprinters. So I might have gone with my best aero setup to know that I'm giving myself every chance in the sprint. Because the reality is we might be with those people uh, as we get uh, as we get to the end. So, yeah, I think it's a really tough one to choose bike. I think I think there are arguments for going for what you're worst at. There are arguments for going what you're best at. It's just really, really tough. And we're going to find out. Uh, Craig, what you think of doing? I think, Chris, you went Tron as well, didn't you? Um, no, I went. Uh, I went uh, the the ethos and the specialized Raval. I went full climbing for exactly that reason. Like I know I'm weak on climbing. I needed every every extra watt saving that I could get. Like in the draft, I was dangling a little bit on the on the back of the front group in the flats, and I could I just stood up on the pedals and caught back up to them. But yeah, the for me having the climbing setup allowed me to push up to those extra three riders in front so that saved me probably five six places in overall so it worked out craig what you think of riding later so i'm not riding tonight obviously but uh if i ride this weekend because it's in doubt with my uh i i've I've got i'm kind of nursing a a hip flexor injury at the moment but uh, if i ride i'm thinking i'm going athos and the dt swiss 6.2s not the disc, the uh, the older ones. So and maybe so, so my bets a little bit more than Chris, but uh, yeah, d- definitely going towards climbing. Okay, so that's a climbing setup. I'm. Yeah. Uh, I know there are various other bikes that aren't the Tron. Um, obviously, the Tron is the best bike, and and people have to remind me what these other bikes do. Um, I think I think for me the big uh, actually where I messed up tonight was I went really really hard, and I was really pleased to stay with the front group. 
And I think I went too deep there. And I should have looked at who do I normally race. And Shifty was two groups behind me on the road at one point. And he was then a minute ahead of me at the top of the climb. And that just shows you like that effort going deep. It just costs you so much time. And he he was pushing consistently like 3.2, 3.3. And I just couldn't get anywhere near that for the second half of the climb. And it, it's just so much time you can lose. So it's, um, yeah, look at, look at the people you normally ride choose a bike choose whatever bike makes you feel happy that's that's my very kind of like hand wavy thing about this but i think i think there are various different reasons to do different things yeah. uh, is that enough about hsro do we want to talk about pacing at all or have we talked about pacing i'm just being so attacked by my cat. Sorry. i mean we've talked about pacing on this course so many times and i think um that's that's probably something to bring up is where you can get in trouble is if by hanging on to a, the group that you're in, you are above where you would be pacing it as, a, as an ITT, um, then yeah, you're in trouble. So you need to be in that, you know, high, high zone three kind of spot, which is your high zone three into zone four, a little under FTP. Um, if you're at FTP or too close to it, you're, you're gonna get in trouble on the climb. I guess yeah, that's my question. Sorry, Chris. Oh, yeah, I was just going to echo what, what Craig said. It's a little bit tougher. You have to pay more attention to it because you don't get that segment by segment leaderboard coming up, giving you your, your watts by kilometer. So you have to be more mindful of, am I going at or over FTP? Is this going to cost me? Am I withdrawing watts that I'm going to need later? Um, and if you are, then yeah, you need to sit up a little bit and conserve for the climb because that's where you're going to make up the time. And I, I, I guess this was the question I had before tonight's ride is that the, the, the ITT is really easy. Like we've, we've talked about this before, like you said, Craig. Um, yeah, this has got a whole like another half of a lap to come afterwards. And I don't think I quite realized how big a rest you get on the descent. Like on, on the way down, like it's quite a long time of not pedaling, getting your breath back. And actually the flat stuff, there isn't really too much testing. There's a couple of little sort of three, four percent bits where you just need to be awake more than anything else. I don't think you need to be kind of really on it and really ready to stomp on the pedals. Um, and then the the sprint at the finish is slightly uphill and, and we'll come to sprint tactics in a minute. So I think you almost need to treat this like an ITT. It's like what what is the best possible way you are going to get to the top of the climb? And that's probably going to put you in the best position. You've got a huge amount of rest once you get to the top of the climb. So that, that's how I probably should have treated pacing um, if I'd have uh, ridden it better tonight. Yeah, so um, that, that little tidbit that you discovered by getting the, um, the XP on the first, uh, on the climb, uh, because I never realized that you would get another power up going back down either. So yeah. um yeah, that's uh, that, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, so there is a chance, like, if you get a bit, like, I don't know, like, it's a bit of a gamble, though, isn't it? Because we know that it's kind of like little XP. It's a, it's a one in five, essentially. You've got little XP, big XP, van, uh, aero helmet, feather. I think are the three power-ups that James has enabled. So yeah. I, I got double XP. Yay me. Um, I also finished the Italy challenge, which was nice, and got sweet FA for that because apparently I've already got the bike 
that you get if you finish the Italy challenge. But I finished the Italy challenge in Bologna. So there's part of me that is really, really happy about this. Um, I think the only other thing I'd discuss is the sprint. So it's not before the finish line is before the archway because James put a custom distance on this. Um, so it's not the archway. So if you're using that as a kind of sighter when you come to the sprint, then then don't. Uh, I think the other thing I'd say is that it's an uphill sprint that goes into a slight downhill. So I think this makes it really advantageous to go slightly early in your sprint. I did that uh, sprinting for 57th or whatever was, ever I was doing in my ride against another person. I went probably at about 400 metres because that's when the ramp went up and I knew I could get a bit of a kick and I could see the road was going downhill. And I think there's more advantage to dumping the watts on a slight climb than there is on the descent. So uh, that's the only tip, tip I'd give about them. Did you not go at 1K, Steve? I <laughs> Amusingly, the person I was riding with tried to go at 1K and I'm like, you're stealing my move. <laughs> yeah. They went a bit and then slowed down. I was really sad about that. You can actually go at 1K. There is a little kick there as well. Um, I think if you're... <laughs> of course, yeah. it, interestingly uh, interestingly if you if you're going for panache if you're in a two-up sprint and you're not a sprinter um there are several places on the ride in so in the last 2k there are several kind of three four um percent bits and as i said earlier you need to be awake but actually that might be as soon as you see that three percent hit your nine ten watts per kilogram for 10 seconds and then time trial the rest of the way if you can break that draft that might be a good way if you're not a not a sprinter or you don't back yourself in a sprint that could be a good way to to gap the person that you're racing against and, and get some extra points yeah and that's really interesting because james puts this on the calendar every time he gets a chance right so we've ridden this a bunch but it's always just the tt module and it ends at the top so i forgot all the way back to the the, the finish line banner so i would have been paying more attention on the flats had I remembered that, hey, this was a full lap up and back down to see where these little rises were going to be on the on the way back. Um, because there are some kickers there, to your point. Yeah, and I was with a group of four. I probably would have gone a little bit earlier because, like I said, I was on the climbing setup. I didn't have, like, a really good arrow. So chances of winning a sprint, which I did not. I came in, what, third out of that group of four. Um, I probably would have gone a little bit early. And paying attention on the way out, to where to attack on the way back would have been helpful. And this this is a question I'd want to ask Craig actually, and, and probably one I'd want to do a whole podcast on and be really nerdy and, and, and we, we've chatted about on Discord before. So if we're talking about the advantages of the bikes, again, it's about a minute between the fastest aero bike and the slowest aero bike on the flattest course. Now, my question is in a 20 second sprint, that's a lot less than the, the hour test time. How much difference are the aero bikes really, really making? Um, what do you I, think? I Craig? think um, the, like from top to bottom, I think I, I looked at this not long ago, but I don't have the I don't have the numbers. But you're talking maybe a couple tenths of a second, half of half a second maybe from the very fastest to the very slowest. Um, but uh, I mean that's a lot. I mean, I, I've, I've been in a whole lot of sprints and races where the, uh, you know, the, the, the winner of the race was determined by a couple hundred or a couple thousandths of a second. So yeah, no, it's, um, it, it can make the difference, um, but you got to get there first. 
And even more than that is all that positioning and timing and when you go, when you break the draft, can you break the draft behind you and all of those things that um, actually are, work surprisingly well in Zwift as far as the, playing the game. So uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to it in, in that um, that is probably just as much or more than the bike, but the bike, when you're, you're talking people that are pretty equally matched, the bike can be the difference. And I, you can't see this as a podcast. My tongue is firmly in cheek as well. This is a man who has argued that a pink bike is faster than another bike because of psychological reasons. And, and genuinely, there is a genuine reason that there is, there is scientific evidence to back this up, that there are psychological reasons where if you believe the placebo effect is real, if you believe your bike is fast in a particular situation, you will perform better in that situation. So if you think you're going to be faster on a sprinter's bike, pick that bike you think you're going to be faster on a green tron pick that bike you think your best climbing setup is going to be best for you pick that bike because the mental effects are going to be huge if you're on like if you're on the standard swift bike you think you're going to be rubbish the mental effects will be different so we're talking about fractions of a second it will make seconds of difference it will make big watts performance if you believe that you're you're going to do well so uh, um, that's good anyway i think I think that's all we can talk about, Bologna, isn't it? Is there anything else we, we any other tips we want to give? Um, I, maybe the only other thing to mention is the cobbles. I nearly got dropped early on on the cobbles because I forgot that the rolling resistance goes up. So you need to dump a bit more power um, to stay in the group in those segments. Um, but anything else we'd mention? Uh, I, I think you covered it. My only other note was go all in on the climb if you have to. It's... Uh, because you get the rest of going back down. Yeah, I think I think that's the big tip for me as well. Is you've just got to you've got to treat the top of the climb like the finish line, uh, because that will get you tens of positions if you do that, rather than kind of one position because you saved a bit for a sprint. Um, cool. Okay. So what are we on to next, Craig? Um, so the next in my is a, a a bit of a go on the uh, Zwift Racing League uh, for coming up on Tuesday. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. We've got uh, Flatland Loop on McCurry Island, uh, three laps for A and B, two laps for C and D. Um, no real climbs, though there is a bit of a rise between the two sprints, two sprints per lap. And yeah, what do you think, Chris? I'm excited for the sprints. I'm not excited for that rise that joins the two. Um, it, that that's going to be a big separator. Um, so I think it's going to be. I mean, I'm not going to stay with the front group between sprint one and two. So it'll be more of a fight like hell to get any sort of points on sprint one, and then find a group for sprint two and see who else goes with me. And what, what's this like? Uh, so I've not ridden Flatland Loop, so I'm I'm picturing something a bit like the S's or a bit like that bit where you before you come back to the marina in some of the Watopia loops where there's there's a bit of sort of percentage stuff and it's it's kind of not enough to be really called cool a climb, but it's enough to separate. Like if you're a little bit tired, you're gonna get drops there. So what, what's the climb between these two sprints like? 
Uh, it's about 5K of just constant, you're rising a little bit. Um, I think this is the recovery ride for Zwift Academy. Mm -hmm. I did it last week thinking that it was the same loop. I think it's, it's the same one. Um, it goes on for a while and it's just constant up, 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 up two, 3% until you get to the sprint point and then it's back down. Yeah. So it's about, there's a, about a hundred meters of climbing per lap. So it's a, there's a little more climbing than you think on something called flatland loop. Yeah. But, um, it, I mean, it's, it's not steep. It's, it's definitely still very draftable. I'd say it's probably you'd probably compare it to maybe half of that uh, Otley Road drag at the beginning of uh, of the Yorkshire route. Um, that that would probably be a good comparison. I, I think it it changes gradient a little more than that, but it's uh, it's pretty steady up. So that's yeah, an interesting but, comparison because we know that the the Otley Road unclassified climb is a that is a separator in races because it, it it's you notice it don't you so it'd be interesting it seems like and and as you said chris you're probably not going to hang on to that front route um because of it so it'd be tough and look, looking at the route description it's it's all in that second 5k really isn't it the climbing it's pretty flat to the first sprint and then the 100 meters of climbing which doesn't sound like much but it but it's enough is in that second uh, 5k well, and then we do that, uh, well, for uh, in B and uh, and A, we do that 100 meters of climbing three times, which actually turns into a reasonable amount of climbing on a on a race, but it's a long race. That's, uh, it's 39K for, um, for A and B. And uh, so I guess, what does that come out to? 26 for, so C and D, it's a lot shorter, but uh, I, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take because I'm not, I think the speed is going to stay really high on that rise, probably on all three laps, but it, it's hard to say. Yeah. Cause I think the, the, the lighter guys are going to want to separate, right. And make that selection so that they can hoover up all the first across points. Um, Cause there's no KOMs on this. It's just all sprint points. So those are the only two points grab opportunities. So that's going to be their chance to push the pace, shed the heavier riders, uh, and score some points for the team. So I'm just going to buckle up and hang on, do as much as I can. Yep. And do you think there'll be much tactics on this? Because again, if you've got a if you've got a, a group which has or a team, sorry, that has some some good climbers on this, there is a there is a call that you put your two climbers on this and they just smash it up this climb and they they say, look, our our sprinter might be able to hang on and your sprinter might not be able to hang on. So like say, let's just make this really, really hard and see where we end up. Um, so that that's exactly what I expect in my division, because we've got uh, two or three really strong teams that kind of go 100% against each other and don't care about us. So um, it, yeah, I, I expect this to be extremely hard for, uh, for the cassowary. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know, Chris, probably pretty similar in your division. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of big Watt monsters for us. So they're gonna be keeping the pace high, just those guys on the front. Um, it's, it's gonna be a nightmare. So I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> Cool. So what does that bring us to next, <laughs> then, right? 
So uh, now we have everybody's favorite segment. What has annoyed us about Zwift this week? Cool. Who wants to go first, Tim? So I'll go. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Um, so speaking of the recovery ride for Zwift Academy, I have done the baseline ride, the orientation ride, and the recovery ride. And that's it. I, I'm aiming to get my Zwift Academy GED. I'm not going to do the workouts because they're entirely too hard. And I have heard winter racing and I have ZRL to contend with. And I don't have time to, to wedge in Zwift Academy workouts into all that. So it's annoyed me that they've tried to make me do all these workouts in the middle of racing season. And rent. So I've got nothing that annoys me. I've got nothing that annoys me specifically about Swift. Um, I am currently annoyed with my uh, hip hip flexors, and uh, yeah, they decided to cease working last weekend. And uh, hopefully they or hopefully they resume working. I think no, it, it wouldn't be this segment if I wasn't a little bit annoyed with Zwift. Cause I, um, so we've seen that the Premier League of ZRL is going to be covered by the Global Cycling Network, which is ostensibly a good thing because GCN is huge. It's going to get loads of new people interested in the platform. It's going to get loads of people that are into Zwift interested in cycling. There are loads of good reasons for this. However, it does feel like that moment that Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine get together and, and, and form two dark Sith Lords here, doesn't it? I've kind of got GCN who are just going to push. Everyone's got to buy a bloody park tool and like whatever sponsor is going to come their way. We're going to tell you that's the cool shit to have. And I see Zwift doing that a bit as well. It's like, we've got all the cool shit. You've got to buy this stuff because it's the best shit to have. And just like, for me, it takes away from the just pure joy of like, hey, everyone likes riding a bike and we like riding bikes in different ways. And that is cool. That should be cool enough in itself that we all like this kind of crazy, stupid hobby. Some of us sit in our shed and chase pixels. Some of us go outside and ride in the rain for 12 hours we all just love cycling and uh, i do worry like kind of is this is this swift being a bit too corporate and those kind of things but anyway like that it's quite a minor rant really for me this week i don't get the reference steve but i assume it's not a favorable one (laughs) (laughs) they're the evil dudes in star wars like this is coming together they're going to take over the world blow up some planets like Shit's gonna go down, Chris. All right, I got to get caught up on the on the films. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> right, folks. Speaking of getting caught up, I think we've got to catch up and jump over to the live commentary. So I'm going to say thanks for joining us, and uh, see you next time. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. See you later. 